Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Block, politics, perspectives, and players. China's growing dominance through infrastructure investments in developing countries and its economic global influence is raising concerns in diplomatic circles. Here in Canada, diplomats at Global Affairs Canada are warning Ottawa against too close of a relationship with China. Why is that? Charles Burton is a China expert and senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute. He joins us now. Charles, thanks for making time for us. Great to speak with you. Charles, before everything erupted with Meng Wanzhou being arrested in Huawei and Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor being imprisoned in China, the Canadian government had tried to increase engagement with China. In fact, they'd increased trade and were hoping for a warmer relationship along with that. Do you think that the attempt to engage China in that way was a good thing for Canada? Well, you know, we've had a long um, desire to diversify our economic dependence away from the United States. And I think particularly after Donald Trump came into power and started to question the NAFTA, there was a sense of urgency on the part of the government to do what governments have been wanting to do for the past 50 years, which is to have less of our exports going to one market and having more opportunity to build our prosperity through other markets. Uh, China is seen as a rising economic power that could become the dominant um, economic player on the planet. And Canada's external trade to China has been quite small. It's right now probably about 4%. And, um, you know, our market share in China has been declining over the past few decades. And so I think that there was a strong push on the part of government to try and make a deal with the Chinese authorities, either of free trade deal or some sort of sectoral deals to get us more market access there and to build Canadian prosperity. Do you think that Mr. Trudeau's government had an accurate understanding of how the Chinese government operates when they proceeded to pursue that kind of engagement? No, I don't think so. I mean, certainly when our prime minister went to meet with Chinese Premier Li Keqiang at the end of 2017, with based on, on, on having gender rights, um, environmental rights and labor rights made as part of the negotiation. I, I think that our government grossly underestimated the importance that China ascribes to the Canada relationship. Mr. Trudeau had made statements at the time pointing out that this would be China's first free trade agreement with a G7 nation and therefore anticipated that Canada could get concessions on the part of the Chinese government on these non-economic issues like gender, environment, and uh, labor, that uh, you know, Chinese government was simply not prepared to undertake. I think the other issue is really the extent to which we could expect the Chinese government to engage in fair and reciprocal trade when they see our, the relationship with Canada as an asymmetrical relationship where China holds the upper hand. Recently at the Canada-China Committee meeting here on the Hill, there were some documents that showed diplomats and officials at Global Affairs had warned Ottawa about getting too close to China. I imagine that you weren't surprised by what was in those documents, but what do you make of them and do you think that the government will take that advice? Well, I, I certainly was delighted to see that Global Affairs had issued advice to the government that we cannot simply rely on developing economic relations with China as our main priority in the relationship and that Canada has to look at other aspects, particularly security aspects and the Chinese regime's attempt to undermine the multilateral institutions like the UN and the WTO 
that protect middle powers like Canada in an increasingly hostile global environment, particularly with the superpower rivalry between uh, China and the United States that's going on now. So I was very pleased to see that document. A lot of it uh, has been redacted, and one assumes that the really great stuff is the stuff that's behind the black bars. But you know, it indicates that there is awareness within global affairs of the importance of the China security threat to Canada and that Canada should be taking measures to counter it. We know that CSIS and, and defense have been encouraging our government to, to look more seriously at the non-economic aspects of um, engagement with China. And now we see that there is an element within global affairs that's bought on to the same kind of understanding that China is not simply a enormous potential market for Canada, but that China may want to, to reshape the world order in ways that will be inimical to Canadian values and Canadian interests. Unfortunately, as you point out, the documents come out. Uh, this document was issued last fall, I believe, and one doesn't see any indication that the Prime Minister's office uh, has directed the minister to um, take any steps to try and adjust our way of engaging with China to accommodate the concerns that this document expresses. Do you believe that even after all that has happened with the two Michaels and the chill on the Canada-China relationship, that the government is still too close even now with China? Well, uh, you know, certainly there are very important economic players in Canada who have strong relationships with Chinese state firms and Chinese regime-associated companies who have considerable influence with our government. And I think there has been a hope that somehow or other we could resolve the Meng Wanzhou uh, issue, that the CFO of Huawei would not be um, extradited to the United States but could be returned to China, that then uh, Kovrigan's favor and Schellenberg, all those matters would be resolved. And then we could go back to the status quo ante of trying to improve our economic relations with China and build Canadian prosperity through the Chinese government's promise of more access to their market. I think it's pretty clear that that is not how this is going to play out because the Chinese regime is not really the Chinese regime that our government has identified with over a long period of time, which is one that you know, will be coming into compliance with the post-war norms of international diplomacy and trade. China is clearly not moving down that path. And so I think that the Canada-China Relations Special Committee of the House of Commons is, uh, as you pointed out earlier, is a very important venue to bring these issues to the fore and enter into the national debate and demand that our government start taking the China threat more seriously and get more closely into compliance with the way that China is being addressed by our allies and like-minded nations in the world. Dominic Barton was appointed by this government as Canada's ambassador to China. He's someone who has done a lot of business in China over the years. Some thought that made him an ideal candidate. You have been critical of that, though. Can you explain a little bit about your concerns and your criticism around Mr. Barton as an ambassador? Well, I, I was disappointed that Mr. Barton seemed to be unfamiliar with some of the main political uh, relationships between Canada and China. He, for example, he wasn't aware of Canada's position on the Chinese um, land reclamation projects and building of military facilities on um, rocky outcrops and reefs in the South China Sea. In fact, uh, we are supportive of the uh, International Court of Arbitration and the Hague 
who is the body for assessing violations of the UN Convention on the Law of the Seas, ruling that what China was doing was against international law and that those islands should be in international waters and China should not be allowed to put strategic facilities on them. Mr. Barton wasn't familiar with that. Um, he also evidently was not familiar that our oldest and most prominent uh, uh, consular case of Hussein Jalil, um, a Canadian from Burlington, Ontario, who has been held in China without uh, Canada having consular access to him for 15 years. Uh, Mr. Barton was not aware that Mr. Jalil is in fact a Canadian citizen. That was very surprising to me. And I think some of his interpretations of the nature of the Chinese regime, which seem to imply that we have to accept that the Chinese government uh, cannot become in compliance with international norms of human rights was very disturbing to me and I think to uh, a lot of Canadians, including um, Canadians whose origins are in the People's Republic of China, who believe in freedom of expression, uh, democratic governance and uh, human rights. So I think from that point of view, um, Mr. Barton has been in the slot for quite some time and I'd expected him to be more familiar with the non-business aspects of relations between Canada and China. And uh, hopefully after that uh, meeting that he had with the parliamentarians, um, he will get himself better prepped in future to represent the interests of the government in China. After all, Mr. Barton is not uh, mandated to make the China policy, but to implement the policy of our government uh, to the best of his ability. Given the events these past weeks on COVID-19, coronavirus, the worst impact has certainly been felt in China, but they've been publicly praised for their handling of the virus. Do you think that this provides an opening for relations with China or will it see a doubling down by the regime? Well, I think certainly we, for humanitarian reasons, we should be doing everything we can to support the people in China with as much uh, medical supplies, um, masks and uh, gowns and, and support of our of our uh, experts in this area as we can. Uh, and I think we're doing that. And I think the Chinese government has rightly um, expressed its appreciation to Canada. The uh, Chinese government also expressed its appreciation to the government of Canada for not restricting uh, Chinese travel into uh, Canada, um, which has been what the United States and Australia and many other countries have done. Um, that concerned me in the sense that I was wondering if that decision might have had some political edge to it in the sense that we're trying to curry favor with the Chinese regime. And then the Chinese announcement of the past couple of days that China will in fact be restricting travel into China from other countries suggests that it was uh, something that the Chinese expected us to do for them, but that they weren't prepared to do for us. So from that point of view, um, you know, I do think that we have to go with the best advice of our medical professionals in terms of how to protect Canadians from uh, this uh, dangerous pathogen. And, uh, you know, certainly it shouldn't be something that's politicized in terms of hoping that we can gain favor with the Chinese communist regime if we um, manage our coronavirus uh, um, prevention uh, along the lines that the Chinese government suggests. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Mr. Burton, for joining us. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.